Chaplin. <laughs> Welcome to the market. Hi. Go ahead and park it. Hope that you are starving. Debbie Roots Deep got me thinking it's a parsnip. Every week I get knowledge to go. A year before everyone, how did they know? Figuring how they go college to pros. I pop it on listen and now I'm the pro. I'm still trying to grow. And they do the same. Hundreds of teams, too many to name. And yet they are filtering everything. Only the best, Shane Hallaman Kane. Marketplace, marketplace. Debbie is everything, marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Market Marketplace, marketplace, Debbie is everything marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Hey! Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Debbie Marketplace Podcast. Kane and Shane and still no Nelly. Um, he has decided that there are better things to do than uh, do a podcast with us. Um, so hopefully we get Nelly back. Um, I think next week we have no Shane and the week after. I won't be here. So, um, so we're, just we're playing. Yeah, it's just it's Russian roulette over here. Um, <laughs> isn't that what it's called? It, it, it is. I feel it's a little dark for if we're losing a member of the team or not each week. But I, I guess it's well, fair. Russian it's fair roulette is a is just a game in a casino. No, I mean like, <laughs> that's not Russian roulette. <laughs> there's a game called Russian, or is that just there's a roulette? game called roulette? Russian roulette's oh. where you have a gun oh, is that with where a you bolt. Spin the gun? With one, yeah, with one bolt well, and someone dies. Well, once again, uh, starting off good. Not for me. I'm not a casino guy. In case you're uh, well, uh, we're playing roulette to see who's going to be. Uh, now there could be a Russian playing. That's up to them. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, but we are not going to be loading a gun and spinning it. To see who's not going to be here. Uh, that's on me. Uh, but what we're going to do this episode is we're going to kind of talk about kind of this or that. So there's going to be two players um, that are right next to each other in most rankings, especially our rankings. And we're going to kind of go uh, put those two players to the test, right? We want to talk about them, talk about their similarity, similarities, their differences, and why one should be ranked above the other. Shane's going to talk about some... Um, NFL draft horizon type things that that he's seeing in some of these players and how that can affect their NFL draft stock and kind of where things are at today. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna get into that. Um, let's just go at it right away, Shane. Uh, top two running backs in the 2024 class for us in our rankings: Raheem Sanders out of Arkansas, Trevion Henderson out of Ohio State. How you feeling? It's a tough. It's a tough decision. I actually just had this decision in a C two C startup. Um, you know, Raheem Sanders. I think you have the size and speed factor, plus the production now has been fairly consistent. So, uh, and you're in the SEC playing for Arkansas, six two two twenty five, four four speed. Like that, that's got to look good to NFL teams. I think when you talk in terms of draft capital. Uh, but we know Travion Henderson was a five-star prospect as an incoming freshman, dominated the Big Ten in numerous games, um, had the kind of nasty injury last season, try to play through it. And I think that's hurt his stock a little bit. So it wouldn't surprise me to see him bounce back and have another big year and we're like, oh, you know, why are we passing on this guy? I think I would take Raheem Sanders over Henderson myself. I think I'll take the traits and the size 
and that's going to play better in the NFL to me from a Debbie perspective, even if Trayvon Henderson's really good. But uh, they're both pretty close. I think a big, big thing to me, too, even though we're not scoring points with these college players, is that behind Raheem Sanders, there's really nothing. Nothing worth a crap, right? So uh, see, this is why you 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 gotta be happy that Nelly's not on the podcast because he loves uh, Debian or whoever the backup is. I'm all right. Um, <laughs> and but behind Trayvon Henderson, right? You have Mayan Williams. You have Dallin Hayden, like guys that are also going to get some run. So um, this this definitely feels like the age old question of like, well, do you want the guy with all the carries? It's proven that he's good, or do you want like the Georgia running back? That's been good when he's played, right? Um, so I, I think this gets very difficult. I have Raheem Sanders at five, Trevor Henderson at six in my overall ranking. So it's not like they're crazy far off, same tier for me right now. But I think Raheem Sanders gets the nod. Um, Trevor Henderson, a few months younger. That's about it. Both can catch, both can run fast. Yeah, both are good, you know. Yes. Uh, let, let's move on here. Let's go to the 25 class. Stick to the running back position. Um, Nicholas Singleton at Penn State and Quinchon Judkins at Ole Miss. Kind of what are you seeing with those guys, Shane? Well, I think the Debbie community loves Nick Singleton, rightfully so. Top running back in the class, shown that athletic ability, you know, was productive. But like you mentioned, splitting carries with Katron Allen also in that 2025 class who I like a lot, um, but six foot, 210 pounds. I, you know, I, I think Singleton has the profile to be a first round NFL draft pick. Like we saw with B. John Robinson Problem is, I don't think Penn state's just going to hand him the keys to the car for the next two years. And a lot of times that's what it takes. Whereas I think we kind of are seeing that with Quinchon Judkins at, at, at Ole Miss. Um, now, he, he wasn't as highly recruited. He's on that kind of three, four-star fringe. But he took over that job, you know, from Zach Evans and was the, the more dominant, smart player. I just only think Judkins maybe is the athlete that Nick Singleton is. But Judkins has that vision, that kind of in, in you know, in-a-box agility to make you miss. So I think I would take Singleton. I think I'd swing a little bit now that – you know, we're kind of two years out at swing for the upside. Um, but there's a very real possibility. Judkins is more of an athlete than I think that he gets better, bigger, stronger, faster here in the next couple of years and, you know, could, could end up a slam dunk, but I, I'll, I'll get Singleton. And like Quinchon Judkins in his own right is very, very fast. I think yeah. uh, he was clocked in at 22 and a half miles per hour. Like, He's very, very fast. Um, but I think in terms of like pure athleticism, I think Singleton gets the nod. And as we're kind of learning more and more about how the ever-changing running back environment is of the NFL, is that not only are there room for both of these type of running backs, right? And Judkins and Nicholas Singleton, the Nicholas Singleton, the absolute like home run hitter uh, in terms of athleticism. Um, Quinchon Judkins right now, I think, is a better running back than Singleton is. Um, but I think when we look at pure fantasy life, um, I think Singleton ends up being a higher pick probably 
in in how the NFL views these running backs. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask if Judkins keeps up this level of production, if that 22 and a half miles per hour translates to the combine to the 40, which I have some questions if it will, but um, I, I mean, it, and that production continues, like, does that mean he he's going to overtake Singleton? Also, like by, by the time we get to the 2025 draft, that's interesting. Um, I don't know if he overtakes Singleton, and even if he keeps up with his current path, I don't know if he's the running back two in the 25 class. That's, that's fair. That's fair. That's interesting. Um, in case people are wondering who I'm talking about, that's Branson Robinson, the running back out of Georgia. I think as soon as all these 24s leave, um, and Branson Robinson, who I believe is going to crush at Georgia this year, Branson Robinson honestly could be RB2, potentially even RB1-ish, maybe if he crushes at Georgia. Uh, but then it's the case, right, of only oh, is he going to catch that many passes? Do you want the pass catching running back? Like, what do you want to do, right? Um, but I think that's a toughie. Uh, because you have no Zach Evans at Ole Miss, Quinchon Judkins should get more work, essentially, right? And still a offense that's going to move the football. Yeah, still going to be pretty productive. Um, yeah, I think they brought in Ulysses Bentley, like, is the only other threat. You know, <laughs> it's not much. I Nicholas Singleton uh, feels really Trevion Henderson-esque to me. I agree. I think it's a nice comparison. Um, because you you have a guy, right, that can... So here's a guy, the old Chris Collinsworth. Um, but I, I think these two players both can catch really, really well. If you get them out in space, they're going to be... They're not only really elusive, but they have a nice size-speed combination to them. Um, I don't know, like, is Judkins that? I don't think so. I don't think he's the same player as a Trayvon Henderson or Nicholas Singleton. Um, I I don't know. Like, Quinchon Judkins, to me, feels like uh, just a better version of Will Shipley. Which, like, not that that's a bad thing. Yeah, it's not awful. No, Will Shipley's very good at football. I mean, if he was anywhere else other than Clemson last year, he probably is a lot higher than everyone's rankings, right? Um. But I probably, even next year, if Judkins keeps it up, I assume Singleton probably still stays my running back one for this class. Judkins and Branson Robinson, I assume, will be two, three in some order. It's my guess. Yeah, I think it's a good guess. We'll see how the Georgia situation plays out, too, for Branson Robinson. Like you mentioned, Georgia, Dejan Edwards is probably going to be a lead back, perhaps, for a little bit. And, you know, they'll split carries, but, like, 25 running back class might end up in good hands if all three play up to their expectations and potential. Let's let's go back to the 24 class because these two are much different running backs. We're going to just stick with running backs for a little while. Um, let's talk Braylon Allen and Donovan Edwards. Now, in the Secret Chopper pod that was free, just go to the Discord and listen to our whole conversation about like Braylon, Ad- Braylon Allen and like how we feel like we should move that player right now in Debbie. So feel free to check out that conversation. But in terms of like 
these two NFL draft wise, I don't think they could be more different in skill set. I don't think we could find two players that have a wider chasm in like how they play football. But NFL wise, like how do they feel to you right now? And we can't talk about Phil Longo. <laughs> we, we, will, we will not talk about Phil Longo. Um, they, they are very, very, very different because Allen has that size, speed, and we'll hear all about the youth and how young he is for this class uh, when he's going to be like 20 years old and drafted. But being 6'2", 235, and Braylon Allen clearly is very fast in a straight line. Um, I think that helps his potential NFL draft stock. Now, like we talked about on the the free second podcast on the Discord, um, new offense, more air raid, is Allen going to be utilized well? Is he going to work in this offense? I don't know. So I think there's some big downside there. I think Donovan Edwards, he he's that smaller pass catching running back, you know. And I I think if he if if Blake Corum had gone to the NFL, I think we're having I'm having a different conversation here. Yeah. So I, I think I think maybe I lean towards Donovan Edwards, but like there's no way a Heisman contender like Blake Corum is going away. So Donovan Edwards now has to wait another year. He's got to hope to spring a couple big runs or that Blake Corm gets hurt again. I, th- I think to have that NFL value, I think Edwards feels more like a third round pick, you know, because he never has that chance to really shine and show he can carry the load. And, and until he does that, I'm just not sure I can put him over Braylon Allen, even if I think Edwards, you know, could have the talent to really be an effective NFL fantasy player. I think maybe the better conversation or better question would have been like Donovan Edwards or Will Shipley. It's probably a little more apt at this point. Yeah, I, I, I think it probably is because just because of the Michigan situation, you know, uh, once again, if Corm had isn't there, I think Edwards is clearly above Shipley. And I think it's pretty tight at this point. Um, right now, yeah. Let Let's dip into uh, some wide receivers in the twenty four class. These are guys that uh, are coming in one point three apart in our average of our rankings of the three of us. You have Troy Franklin, the wide receiver at Oregon, and Malik Neighbors, the wide receiver at LSU. Um, Shane, you you have them twenty one and twenty two. <laughs> So, and Nelly has them 23 and 22. I have the biggest chasm where I have Troy Franklin at 16, Leak Neighbors at 20. But um, talk about how you have, like, what you see in these two guys and, and how the wide receiver landscape currently looks for the NFL draft, which I think that's a big question, too. I think the 2024 NFL draft, the receivers are intriguing we know marvin harrison's going to be a top pick but after that i think we're banking on amike buka and like the rest of it's kind of up in the air and i think troy franklin uh, from oregon and league neighbors from lsu uh both have a chance to really explode and become first round picks like there's a lot of upside with both players we, we saw flashes of it from both last year troy franklin in that oregon offense bonix coming back it's like man everything's set up for franklin he, he's uh, you know, five-star talent. He has the the kind of size and athletic ability. He gets open so easily. So I, that's why I tend to lean that way in my Debbie rankings. But, like, neighbors had some impressive games on a 
an LSU offense that, uh, to me, a lot of times Neighbors was the guy that was making things run <laughs> well, that was keeping them in some of those late games and, and scoring points. Like, he, he was nasty after the catch. But uh, you just wonder if it keeps up, you know, if LSU's offense is going to be good enough to sustain that. Maybe they take a step forward. Still with Jaden Daniels there, quarterback. It's like, uh. Um, so I think I think that makes me lean Franklin, even though you know, maybe Neighbors has just as much talent to me. Because then the question, right, is if they still have Jalen Daniels at or Jaden Daniels at quarterback, are they more content on winning rather than putting up huge offensive performances like they were this past season? I think so. Yeah. Um LSU just cares about winning. So I think that's what hurts a guy like Malik Neighbors. When you on on the flip side, right, you see Troy Franklin who put together a tremendous season, right? And you can talk about the difference in sizes too, right? Troy Franklin coming in at like six three, about a buck eighty, puts up sixty one receptions for just shy nine hundred yards, nine touchdowns in his sophomore season. Um, Malik Neighbors, on the other hand, he is about six foot. 200 pounds, had 72 receptions for over 1,000 yards, three touchdowns. Like, he's very good, too, in a terrible, terrible offense. And he definitely had some really big games at times, right? See the Purdue game where he puts up nine for buck 63 in a touchdown, which was pretty close to his best game. Um, as things kind of progressed throughout the season, you saw him kind of be more of a focal point. Um, so I think that's that's also important. Uh, but Troy Franklin, I think, is a lot more of a consistent player and has less risk this season. Um, also, I don't think there's a ton of really big wide receivers that are entering in this class. You Obviously, Marvin Harrison is an ex-receiver, but outside of him, like, are there a lot of other ex-receivers that are going to be that prototypical NFL size? And sure, you can make the argument that Troy Franklin coming in at a buck 80 maybe isn't prototypical size, but if we see him get to 190, 195, like at 6'3, he becomes a very, very exciting player. Um, so I, I, I lean Franklin, but I think it's really, really interesting to see how those two are going to shake out. Um, this is one of those where I'm happy that I traded down in some Devi drafts and manage to get like both in the startup because I think both are very, very good. I think you realistically, you're probably going to get at least top 100 capital for both of them is my kind of immediate guess. But uh, if you had to Shane, if you had to pick one, who do you think is going to get round one capital? You have to choose between the two. Of them. Oh yeah. I, it's actually, I think a tougher question because I, I agree with all of your points. I think Troy Franklin is safer. I think he's going to do well. I would pick him in this battle. If you told me, hey, one of these guys got round one capital, I think I'd actually lean the league neighbors, perhaps, um, if that makes sense. Whereas I think Franklin's safer. I think he's probably, at worst, the day two pick uh, because he, as you said, is a prototypical X. We saw that with Jonathan Mingo this past year. Like There just aren't enough X receivers in the NFL. Um but I think neighbors maybe has a little more upside, but I, I would take Franklin and Debbie draft, but it's uh, I think you'd be happy with either one. And what if just spitballing? what if some of these rumors are true that Troy Franklin's kind of running like high four threes, low four fours. 
in the fourth I mean, match. That, then, then we're talking about and, and he, if he, you know, has a thousand yard season, get I think eight hundred sixty some yards, sixty one yeah. catches this past year, and he runs a four four two. Like then, I think it'd be tough to keep him out of the first round, especially at. Six three. At six three, right? Even if he comes in 180 pounds, I don't think that's as big a worry because he's a physical receiver off line of scrimmage. Right. Um uh yeah, this isn't Xavier Worthy out there. So yeah, definitely uses his hands and his feet really well to create separation at the line of scrimmage, right? Uh really yeah. smart player in that regard. Um ooh, let's see who else we got kind of neck and neck. Um Here's one for you, and this is going to be across different draft classes, but I think this is an interesting question. Uh, let's take uh, incoming freshman from the Ohio State University in Carnell Tate and uh, Luther Burden. Right next to each other in our rankings here. Uh, Shane, you literally have them 32-34. Nelly <laughs> has them 33-32. So, um, like, how, how are you viewing this, especially when, like, Luther Burden, a little bit of a disappointing freshman year after coming in as the wide receiver one recruit, um, making a weird choice going to Missouri and then tweeting about potentially leaving Missouri and then staying at Missouri. What are we doing? I get the upside with Luther Burden, like being a five-star recruit, even at Missouri, but it's just if you're going to Missouri, you better be the best receiver on the field, right? If you're a five star receiver, like you better go there and just dominate, and then I'll, okay, I'll feel good. But I, I mean, he was third in yardage, receiving yardage behind Dominic Lovett, who transferred to Georgia, and Barrett Bannister, who I barely know who that is. Um, it doesn't feel great. Like it doesn't feel great to say, oh, okay, you're you know you're a stud for the NFL. But I think the physical upside is there. Uh, you know, for a guy who's 210 pounds and moves like he does, it's pretty impressive. But to me, I would rather take the swing on an Ohio State receiver, right? Like, I, I know maybe it's for the NFL draft, it's like sacrilegious, don't scout the helmet, whatever. But in Devi, I think it's a very different game than the NFL draft. Like, scout the helmet because if they know how to develop talent in Ohio State, clearly knows how to develop five-star talent. We're talking about, you know, JSN, Garrett Wilson, Chris Lave, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now Marvin Harrison, Namika Buka, even Julian Fleming, who's kind of flamed out a little bit. I, mean, I still get drafted. Like, wasn't very good. Carl Tate's a five-star receiver who got, because he went to IMG, got to go up to Ohio State early and already is doing big things. Even if he doesn't produce this year, I'll probably feel better about him than Luther Burden. I think they're kind of moving in different directions on my board, despite being very, very close right now. And I do think it's close, but uh, I'll, t- I'll take Tate. Uh, so I don't think it's necessarily close to me, right? You have Carnell Tate, who's uh, played very, very well in the All-American Bowl. Uh, like, he's a very good player. You have the guy that's coming in at 6'2", 180 pounds, who's probably going to be the X receiver for Ohio State as soon as Marvin Harrison Jr. leaves. Like, uh, give me the X receiver. <laughs> yeah. Um, in, in an offense that, like, regardless of what happens at quarterback, right, uh, the wide receivers are going to be fine. 
right? Um, so give me Carnell Tate. I think he is just really, really good at football. Um, and he's making just a ton of noise already. Uh, so let me take him, and I'm at least swinging for the fences. Uh, Luther Burden doesn't feel like a first-round pick in the NFL to me. He feels like a second-round pick that ends up being drafted there just based on, like, pure athleticism and then ends up, like, Doriel Green Beckhaming. Ooh. It's a blast from the past. I believe he also went to Mizzou, didn't he? He did. He did. Look at that. Look at that helmet comp. Um, but no, I, I think it's, it's kind of apt, isn't it? Like Luther Burden, like struggled his freshman year. And the only thing that's keeping him here, like, let's say a four-star guy went to Mizzou, did exactly what he did. No shot, Carnell, or no shot that player would be 33, 34, 35 in our rankings, right? No shot. We know who that player is, right? Like exactly care who that player is. So, but because yeah. he's a five-star player, that's what's keeping him in these in, in the ranks. And like the fact that Lovett left, like, does that actually make it better for Luther Burden? It better. I mean, if it doesn't, then we 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 shouldn't even talk about him in the year. You know, because like if we see in the first couple games that he's still not the guy. Or like the top guy that's getting, you know, 10, 11 targets a game, which he should at Mizzou be getting just peppered. Right. And he's not. Like he's he's struggling getting open. Yeah. I mean, against all the good defenses, he he didn't do much of anything because he couldn't get open. They had to manufacture two or three touches just to get him the ball. Which you're, you want to be a first or second round pick and you can't get open you have to get open against Alabama because guess what? It feels like 95% of the defensive backs in the NFL are probably from Alabama, right? (laughs) That's obviously an exaggeration, but like, like that's what's happening right now. Right. Um, Uh, Look, I I just remember watching against South Carolina, right? He just had two corners drafted. I mean, he couldn't get off the line. (laughs) Like he couldn't get off the line, (laughs) you know? Yeah. He's just, he's not there right now i i think he ends up getting moved down to rankings uh quite a bit um any other any other group you want to talk about i do have a a, another set of two that i'd be curious to talk to you about real quick no no let's 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 do it you put out some good ones so uh romeo dunze wide receiver at washington versus malik benson the transfer going to alabama so i I I am on the Romeo Dunze train, and a I think the Washington offense is going to be good. They all kind of came back that all of them that could. Even if I don't love Michael Penix as an NFL quarterback prospect, uh, I do like a Dunze and Jalen McMillan, and I, I think a Dunze has good size, like can play multiple positions, can play X, can play slot, um, and had some big games against some decent competition, you know, maybe there is a question of, Oh, is this going to be, you know, Jalen Hyatt all over again? Like we're just kind of getting a deep guy who goes later in the draft than we want, you know, it could happen. Um, but I, I, I think Romeo Dunze maybe even has a shot to be a top 50 receiver. Blake Benson's interesting because it, it, 
because that's a swing for the fences. I think we, if you go back to the pods a year ago, we're trying to find the next Alabama receiver. We were like, oh, draft Jermaine yeah. Burton. You know, Alabama receivers are going to hit. Um, they didn't. So now we get this, you know, pop Juco transfer who is a 4-3 speed guy. Absolutely. He, he, <laughs> you, should, you should look up. Look up some of Leak Benson's Juco film. Is wild. Hutchinson running... <laughs> Community College. It's <laughs> just running past everyone. They, they can't turn to, to even keep up with him. Like he's going to be good. It's taking uh, it from screens and he, within like ten yards, he's beat everyone on the defense. Yeah, like they, they can't even get. They can't even fill a, a gap to stop him. So we could be seeing a Jameson Williams type rise for him. I think it's could be in the cards. But I do think it was just enough risk that you know he could do nothing. There's just a speed guy. I'd rather take a Dunze where we have a year of 1,100 receiving yards already. I'll take that. Yeah, I I like both. You get Malik Benson coming in at like what six one, about 185, 190, like a good sized player. You have Romeo Dunze coming in much bigger, 6'3". There's another one of those 6'3 guys where we're finally having another X receiver. Like, I like both. You you have a Dunze coming in year four. Uh, he's a, he'll be a redshirt junior. Um, and just absolutely crushed against, against some teams, right? Um, in a four-game stretch, he had two games with nine catches, two games with eight catches. Granted, against terrible opponents like Arizona, Arizona State, UCLA, and Stanford, but that's what you expect to see against good players, or like good players do against bad teams, right? They should absolutely destroy them, and that's what he did. Um, I love someone going to Alabama because they clearly need help, but then the question is like, who's going to be their quarterback? Is the quarterback even going to be able to throw the ball to them? Are we going to have just Jalen Milrow run fifteen times a game? Right. I think it's a question more than a high state where we like know the receivers are good. It's like we don't know if the receivers are good. We don't know if the quarterback's good. It's not a good combination. Um, you might not have a quarterback that can get it down the field to Benson. Uh, and maybe yep. it is the screen game where he has to win. So, yeah, I, I like a Dunze. Uh, but I'm going to try to get Malik Benson everywhere, too. Um, and I think there are some Debbie drafts you can get him cheap, you know. Yeah. So, definitely still do it. Yeah, for sure. Um, Shane, you want to at least teach me something since Nelly might not even listen to this podcast? Yeah, well, well Nelly, if you're listening, let us know in the Discord. Uh, we'll see if you we'll see if you actually listen. Um, I will. We're we're recording this on Juneteenth, so I wanted to talk about maybe, maybe my favorite, um, my favorite African American in terms of historical relevance in, in, in America, uh, Thurgood Marshall who most people know as the first black Supreme Court justice, uh, but he also was the main lawyer for the NAACP and Brown v. the Board of Education. Um, but one of, one of my favorite stories, I, I could talk about him for a long time, one of my favorite stories with him. So he applied for law school at the University of Maryland. They rejected him. Plus, he v. Ferguson, separate but equal, was the law, right? Segregation was in effect. So they rejected him. Hey, you can go to another you know, all black university. He went to Howard Law School. And then after he graduated from Howard, he found someone else, uh, Donald Gainsbury, who had been rejected the exact same way and got uh, Donald Gainsbury to sue University of Maryland, 
claiming that yes, we could be separate, but it's not equal. Like there's no other college in Maryland that uh, has the same prestige and the schools that, you know, do are in Washington, DC and that's not in Maryland. And so he actually, yeah, he won the case and got, he, he said his sweetest revenge he's ever had against the university of Maryland for that. Take that Terps. Yeah. So there we go. Love that. Also just look at some of the other stuff. Thurgood Marshall has done uh, pretty yeah. impressive stuff. Um, but Shane, let's go into our, our, our buys and sells here. And I'm just going to go first and I'm going to, I'm currently selling Xavier worthy. We talked about this on, on the other podcast, but um, I'm worried about Xavier worthy. I think that uh, best case scenario is that he's like the 108, 107, 108 in rookie drafts and worst case scenario. Like he doesn't go in the draft this year and he's a 24 guy. Uh, so you know, if, if Texas doesn't perform up to those standards, Xavier Worthy would have down year last year, obviously, due to the broken hand situation, um, definitely hinders things. I like Xavier Worthy a lot, but I think when we currently look at the landscape, I'd rather take a, a safer shot on like a Troy Franklin or a Malik Neighbors plus a little bit, whether that's plus a Debbie 2 or a Debbie 3, or even if it's, you know, adding, getting someone really low in on their team added. Um, you know, I'll take that. I'd rather take a shot of like Juice Wells and one of those two guys over Xavier Worthy because then I get two shots of of production. Though it doesn't necessarily feel great, like at least I know that I'm safer in that regard with one of those two players of Troy Franklin or Malik Neighbors. Um, my buy right now is uh, Zachariah Branch. And now we've we've talked about him before. I currently have him twenty first uh, in my rankings. Uh, like I could see him moving up another couple spots, kind of being right behind Evan Stewart. Like I I think he's a really really good player. I'm not really worried about the fact that he's a freshman. The only thing right is we just have to wait a few years for him to get into the NFL. But um, in terms of value, I think he's going to uh, hit pretty quickly because they have to have someone to throw to. Uh, there's not. Like there's a whole lot up in the air of kind of who's going to be those main targets. And remember that Caleb Williams is close to throwing the ball 30, 35 times a game. So um, obviously the run game should be better since they brought in what feels like a million and a half people uh, to potentially play running back at USC. But uh, right now, um, Zachariah Branch is my buy because I think of of most of the uh, fresh incoming freshman wide receivers, he feels special. Like just his elusiveness in space and the way that he can just create space by himself. Um, I think that's really, really important. Uh, my unknown stock is, uh, is because Nelly's not here. I can finally talk about Connor Wegman. Um, my, I don't know what to do with Connor Wegman. He is a complete enigma to me. Uh, obviously he's starting this year for Texas A&M has a really good wide receiver and Evan Stewart has Moose Muhammad should have some running back running the ball. But does that mean that like he's an NFL talent? Like, no, like I'm worried about, like, I, I don't see him as a first round quarterback, but at the same time, like I can 
see him gaining value because of the rest of the quarterbacks in the 25 class haven't really done a whole lot either. So like if Drew Alar starts and kind of peters off a little bit, like there's definitely room for Connor Wegman to increase his value in that regard. That doesn't mean that he's an NFL draft asset. That's a first round draft asset. Um, but that doesn't mean that he's going to get a value gain. So I'm not quite sure how I want to view Connor Wegman. I did draft him because I think I drafted him like the late fourth or the fifth round of a Debbie draft. And that seemed wild to me. Um, but I still not a hundred percent sure what I want to do with him. I, I think it's fair. Uh, I, I am definitely perplexed by Connor Wegman as well, but my buy actually is a 2025 quarterback. Um, and that's Kate Klubnik, I think, is getting undervalued a bit. Uh, so I think because I think he's the guy that's a little more insulated in this, you know, the the new offense at Clemson uh, that Garrett Riley's putting in seems to be going really, really well. In that TCU offense we saw last year where it's like pretty easy to manage and make it work. So I um, I just took him in a C2C startup. I, I think maybe I trade like – if I wasn't competing, maybe a Jared Goff type, you know, for Klubnik, maybe maybe end another Debbie pick. Um, but I, I think I'm in at the cost because people seem to be forgetting about him. My sell is another Nelly player. I feel like we're just 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 like yeah, let's bash him. <laughs> just bash all the uh, Nelly players. But uh, Ted McMillan for Arizona. Hey, I, I just don't know. I actually like Arizona's receivers, but I don't know if that offense is going to be any good uh, as it is. Like, I feel like Ted McMillan is athletic. He's talented. Um, but, man, he's getting some, like, hype in, in Debbie that I'm just not here for. Uh, ben, a listener, DM'd me that he got offered Romeo Dunze in a, a third-round Debbie pick for Ted McMillan. I was like, take, take it. <laughs> you know, take that and run with it, right? Like, we haven't seen Ted McMillan do much. It's just all – it's just hype. Those are the guys I want to sell. You know, even even if I I miss, I miss. But uh, my unknowns. So I was watching some uh, some G five guys receivers for twenty twenty four class this past week, um, and a couple impressed me. But I don't I don't really want to invest in G five receivers in Debbie. But uh, Tory Horton for Colorado State, Malachi Corley for Western Kentucky, who C two C and CFF uh, players definitely know both these guys, but. Um, I think, I think there's some NFL talent there. So I think if you are in a C2C, uh, they're worth maybe taking a little earlier than you would. But, uh, Debbie, I, I just don't think I can do it unless it's a super deep league. But uh, I'm intrigued. That is it for us here at the Debbie Marketplace. Make sure you're joining the free Discord wherever you're listening to the podcast. Make sure you're uh, hitting the description. Click that link. Join the free Discord. Um, come and chat with us about Debbie players, about C2C players. Uh, even if you want to talk about uh, best barbecue techniques, uh, we got you there. You want to talk about books. You want to talk about Dungeons and Dragons. You want to talk about Diablo 4. Uh, doesn't make a difference. Uh, we got you in the in the chat, so make sure you come and join. It's absolutely free to join. Um, we're just nearing in on 700 people now, so uh, feel free to hop in. We'd love to have you. But on behalf of Shane and I and Nelly, somewhere in a spreadsheet, uh, thank you so much for listening to the podcast, and we appreciate every single one of you.